Welcome to Wow Wonders Why, a companion podcast to smart enough to know better. This episode is titled Wah Punch, Punch Man. Man. I've always loved cartoons. And one of the best things about becoming an adult is now I can enjoy cartoons as an adult because cartoons are not just for kids anymore. If they ever were just for kids, to be honest, they're for everyone. So I thought we'd get in an expert to talk all things cartoons, especially anime. I would like to apologize for the quality of the recording. It sounds like I was recording from the latrine on the Smart Enough to Know Better comedy blimp. It was getting pretty bad. I did as best I could to fix it, but I didn't want to throw away the interview with Kyle because it's a good interview. So please forgive my bad recording skills and please enjoy the amazing interview. When I was very young, I came across this weird little TV show about this flying battleship that was going to over to Pluto to fight aliens by firing the wave motion gun. This was called Star Blazers, and it entranced me. I was a small kid, and I was absolutely entranced. And I just said, this cartoon's amazing. It's got battleships flying through space, and it's got people falling in love, and it's got aliens, and it's got guns, and I just thought it was amazing. And I didn't know that it was something that I would follow for the rest of my life. Not Star Blazers particularly, but this concept, this thing that I now know is called anime. It was a really, really exciting beginning. So tonight, we're going to be talking to a person who knows a lot more about anime than myself, The one of the hosts of the Kawaii Five podcast, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. Hello, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. So as I said, Star Blazers, I know it has a problem. Is it Battleship Yamato, I do believe it's actually called? Yes, Space Battleship Yamato. It was just mind-blowing to young Gregoire. I... I had no idea what such a thing was called anime. It was just a cool cartoon. Well, other cartoons mm. like Tom and Jerry, and which I loved as well. This was really different. And I wasn't too sure if I was meant to be watching it because people <laughs> died horrifically and exploded and sacrificed yeah. themselves. But yes, did you ever see Star Blazers? Uh, no, I've, I've seen some <laughs> of the more recent takes on it. Um, oh, right. Because uh, it's, it's now got like a third or fourth uh, reinvent films and pop up in the newsfeed and going... Oh, that's that's that thing again. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think the one you're talking about originally aired in like the late seventies, and yes, I don't think we yeah. got it until ten years after that. Yes, yeah. It, it's meant to be based on like battleship from uh, World War Two. It was like mm-hmm. one of the last uh, Japanese battleships just lasted a long time and just became a legend sort of thing. So, <laughs> and then they're like, let's let's take it to space. Yes, of course. <laughs> and the world. What I loved about it was the world was destroyed in that cartoon. It had been irradiated, so people we thought they came from Pluto, if I remember correctly, but actually their base was just on Pluto. They're actually intergalactic aliens who are coming to wipe us mm. out if i remember correctly i haven't researched this enough i'm just remembering these vague memories from my childhood and they'd irradiated the earth so the earth was now one big desert and so it was the last attempt they had to hide the spaceship they were building inside the yamoto because otherwise the aliens would destroy us before we could build our spaceship so oh, wow. so the shell you could the shell was stuck in the dirt like it was it was it was it was like sunk on the bottom of the ocean in inverted commas and they built a spaceship inside it and it took off and i just remember as a kid going oh my goodness <laughs> and, I, and I, my whole world never was never changed and then moving on just to just to, to give you another idea then i found a thing i used to run home from school uh, something called robotech and the Macross saga and the Valkyrie, Valkyrie planes would transform into robots. And you had the Zentradi who were like giants and, and they fell in love with humans. And there was like good Zentradi and bad Zentradi. And there was, there was a woman called Minmay who sang songs and for no reason she would just sing and everyone would be really happy about her singing. And, and I once again didn't know what it was, but I knew that I, it was made for me. Like it was just mm. Rick Hunter. I remember it's funny how these memories come back. Rick Hunter. And he was like this cot shot pilot who later become an admiral. And it was just, it was so, I guess nowadays I'd call it almost soap opera and cartoons, mm. but it was so where It was so emotional and so, ah, oh, it was, sorry. I'm, I'm just talking. You're right. Like that, that's one of the things that I've loved about anime. And one of the things that, you know, as a, as an art form, if you will, or as a media platform, mm. it really allows you to explore a lot of, you know, people's, those emotional stories without necessarily having to worry about how well an actor's going to do it. Mm. <laughs> yes. And you can, and you can just do crazy things. And it feels like you can just go, okay, this series, we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. 
and then they'll, they will get that series out of the way and there'll be another series down the road and we'll just keep pumping these out over and over again mm. so you can try every idea under the sun so yeah but you are right it's not just the case of one story and that that's uh, i think like a lot of people think like you either like or dislike anime mm, without mm. actually realizing that it's as broad and as varied as your standard tv shows and mm. your films it just depends on what you're looking for if you're into like horror series like there's there's a guy called junji ito who's probably one of the most phenomenal horror writers in japan and a lot of his stuff's been adapted into mangas like novels into anime but if that's not your sort of thing if you're interested in seeing you know a medieval sort of battle fight you can find that too it's mm-hmm. it's something that i love about the the actual medium because it gives you so many options to explore these stories in ways you wouldn't <laughs> it definitely wouldn't expect i've, I've recently been <laughs> reading a series called level 999 villager and it started out it was we refer to as an isekai another world story so someone's mm-hmm. teleported from one world into another but it's not it's basically the matrix oh, um <laughs> wow okay that's, yeah. Once you get to a high enough level, you're taken out of the Matrix to fight <laughs> the real enemies on the real Earth, which is similar to Macross and to Battleship Yamato, almost uninhabitable. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, welcome to the desert of the real sort of stuff. Exactly. It's it's um that reminds that makes you think. But jumping ahead, well into what I was going to talk about later on, I watched one called recently about a year ago called Lane L A I N, and and that one I went that w- that was going in a certain direction, and then suddenly I went wait, is this the Matrix? Like, is, it, is this like a, is this Cthulhu mixed with the Matrix? And you go, okay, I think it might be. Like, it's, yeah, we're, we're giving so much weight. Serial experiments lane wacky. It oh, is. Oh, wow. It's just <laughs> like... But basically, it's if it's as if someone had, you know, kind of uh, taken a little bit too much of their prescription meds and ended up uh, going. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. That's to anime. As you said before, anime is not a genre. Anime, mm. you said, it's a platform. I think it's a really good way of saying mm. it's just. And so what? So what is anime, and what isn't anime? Well, anime kind of stretches back. I guess the original art style kind of occurred by a guy called Osamu Tezuka, Tezuka Osamu in the correct Japanese uh, mm-hmm. order. And he kind of became a prolific writer and manga creator. And he's kind of known as the father of manga and modern anime. And he took a lot of ideas that Disney had, at, like the big <laughs> eyes, the emotive faces, oh. the uh, magical stories that we saw in the early Walt Disney works in between 1900 and 1950, and turned them into the Japanese, basically from Yukoi into the Japanese version of what we would have at the time called Disney animation. And that's where Astro Boy comes from. It was oh, my goodness. oh my goodness, Astro Boy, how can I forget Astro Boy? Yeah, yeah. I was obsessed. <laughs> I was here's a weird here's the thing I'm going to admit to. I used to I used to run around as a small child just in nothing but black underwear and red socks, as, oh. as pretending to be Astro Boy. That was I was obsessed with it. Oh my goodness, that's you didn't use brought a memory back of my early childhood. That's so bizarre. But I mean, he wrote a lot of um, sort of well-received series that at the time were kind of felt like they were targeted at children. Mm. Um, so you know, Astro Boy, Kimba the White Lion oh, has a whole thing to do with that, and uh, that's anime as well. King. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would um, never sort of Kim- well, okay, sure, fair enough. And but there's also like more mature ones that he did, and one that. I adore, which recently had an anime adaptation, was called Dororo. And it's basically the story of, uh, it's set in sort of like feudal Japan. And this guy, he's the lord of an area. And he, to make sure his land stays prosperous, he sells off his son to, I think it's like 13 demons and each part of him. But one of them couldn't take his life. So he's literally a skinless, eyeless, limbless thing. And every time he's, you know, cast the mother couldn't kill him to you know mm. sacrifice him to the last demon so they cast him aside and someone picks him up and takes care for him and gives him you know prosthetics and he then spends his life regaining his limbs by defeating the demons they've been sacrificed to <laughs> now as you can tell that's not for children that's like kick-ass pinocchio yeah it's, <laughs> this is the same guy that wrote astro boy <laughs> wow okay. okay that would have messed me that would have messed me up that I would know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the the original series that they did, I think, in like the seventies, was a lot more you know family orientated. But you look mm. at the original manga; it's not for kids. And the more recent adaptation, definitely not. Immediately got an R rating because of oh. the violence content. Oh my goodness! Okay, th- th- this is the thing. Like people immediately, because of what we had in, particularly when it 
kind of became more mainstream in Western media in like early 90s to the 2000s when you had things like Dragon Ball, Sailor mm. Moon, Card mm-hmm. Captors, and so on. These sort of shows kind of normalized the idea of Japanese, well, continued the idea that Japanese shows that are animated are for kids, just like Western shows that are animated mm. for kids. And we, we know now that not if it's animated, it doesn't mean it's for children. Yeah. So <laughs> not for kids. No. Um, <laughs> nope. 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 So, I, I think it, it's taking a while for us to realize that as you know, as, as a different media form, as opposed to just saying you know cartoons of kids, it's mm-hmm. people are gradually getting the idea there that you know these shows can be for the whole family or for a mature audience. Mm. Leading into that, after my childhood at Astro Boy, Star Blazers, Robotech, and Kimber, as you just point, goodness me, I didn't even think about Kimber. I jumped forward about 10 years, so into my late teens, and a friend of mine, and I had never thought of anime, didn't know the word, didn't know it was a thing, mm-hmm. had never heard of it, and a friend of mine came and said, oh, I've got these really cool cartoons, we have to go watch them. I'm like, oh, cool, but I like cool cartoons, let's go watch mm-hmm. them. And we sat down on a Friday evening after school, four 16-year-old boys, and we watched something called Legend of the Overfiend, but Legend of the Overfiend is pure tentacle porn. I was going to say, I think I've... Oh, that one. It's yeah. not good. It is not it's, good. It's not. It's, it's, it was upsetting. It was it's, truly... It's horrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's, and, and I sat back and, and like I watched it because, you know, you're cool. You don't look weak in front of your frat mates. But, mm. but I was just sat there. Just, I could feel my soul shriveling as I watched this violent sexual perversion in front of me yeah and and that's when i first heard he went oh it's anime isn't anime great and i went (laughs) no anime is awful if this is anime i want no part of this it broke me (laughs) anime is kind of like a capsule term but Mm. within anime you've got those subgenres, ones that are designed for children has a specific name one mm. that are desired for general audiences and teens which typically shonen josai shinen and so mm. on which okay. are designed for you know young boys and women aged from 16 to 20 and then okay. 20 to 30 okay. and then there is hentai it's basically just me- the word means pervert <laughs> Hentai <laughs> is a genre in and of itself. It started oh. out as a slang term and it became a catch-all term for anything which is erotica or uh, oh. pornographic that was released in an animated form. Right. And, yeah, what you were mm. talking about, The Legend of the Overfield or Orotsuji... I can't even pronounce the no, name. It's, no, it's a heck of a name. It's Orotsuki Doji, I think. And it is Oof. hentai horror. Yes, <laughs> it is! Like, <laughs> what... Yeah. Why did you put them together? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, it broke my mind, and and this and then this friend of mine brought me another one, and he went, "Oh, this this be fine. It's much better." And one called Fist of the North Star, oh. and that and and that's also not the best thing to introduce to people. <laughs> <laughs> Fist, truth, funny fact, actually, they just announced this week Fist of the North Star is getting a musical in Japan. But for, for those who aren't aware of what Fist of the North Star is, it's a really oh. it's like post apocalyptic Earth, and it's martial arts, and mm. it's this really ridiculously buff man like mm. someone has tried to make him insanely like masculine in an 80s style of animation and mm. he just goes around and he'll you know punch someone and their head will explode and you're like mm. oh so, the manga ran for a good five years and, oh. and it was weekly as well so that's oh wow oh, okay it, it says 27 volumes here so <laughs> uh, and typ- typically a volume like so you, th- this is something interesting as well like you have original anime series that are adapted by a studio and they just kind of go, we're going to make something. We've got this guy's got this really cool idea. We'll put, throw some money at it everything we get back ours and then you've got mm-hmm. others which are adapted from manga so the japanese equivalent of comics or like novels which should be i guess the equivalent of a western sort of thin 200 max 200 page sort of novels that are designed for teens okay and when they're doing it from like manga and like novel they have to pay them a bit of money as you know for the rights where if it's original it's not and mm. it, it can make a lot of difference on how the adaptation's done depending on the director the studio and so on list this of the north star being a weekly show um mm. it was in shonen jump and so the weekly young men's jump magazine you, you you'll hear shonen used a lot in this podcast it just means young there's right. always like power fantasies and so on if it fits into that category it tends to end up in shonen this <laughs> the north star was very heavily aimed at that demographic going yeah in the 80s like be a strong man like it's think about it, like 83 to 89 you, you're look, talking about about like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone films, mm, those sort of things were mm, coming out and sure. being imported into Japan at the time. And wow. it's it's crazy to think how much, you know, that kind of 
was used as an adaptation for it because the guy looks like a mix of uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Oh, but 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 it goes back the other way because did you know we did a Western live action of it? A Fist of the North Star. Yeah. No, I did it's not. Not good. I, I it, oh, it had no. Malcolm McDowell oh, as the main character. Or it, no, uh, no, as no, villain. As a villain, of villain. Makes, that's. I know. I'm. I'm glad I didn't know that. That would upset yeah, me greatly. It's really bad, but if you want to have a laugh, <laughs> yeah, sure, oh, it's, it's good. It's oh, fair enough. It's. I, I love the idea that this is so cross. I didn't realize how cross cultural it was. As you're saying, it was taken from Disney, or it was like a Japanese answer to disney then the west takes these concepts and remakes them and they get taken back to japan as this cross-pollination mm. keeps happening between two cultures absolutely and i mean if you have a look Amazing. at like um the way a lot of more recent uh western animated stuff is done it's taking on a lot more of the japanese animation style with the larger mm. eyes with the, mm. the the aesthetics that they go for the way the characters interact mm. they've taken a lot of it on board because of the po- huge popularity surges had in particularly the millennial millennial generation was the start of it and now the um centa- the, the current upcoming generation i keep forgetting the letters and the zoomers I, i'm i'm a, a millennial right right on the cusp of being a bit before it but um mm-hmm. i, I kind of i stumbled into um anime in the mid 90s i'd seen a bit of dragon ball on the early morning tv shows Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and i was like oh that's kind of cool and sailor moon and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth and then we had like pokemon and digimon and so Mm -hmm. forth and they they were literally just vehicles to sell the games and and then i stumbled across on sbs our international broadcaster here in australia they had neon genesis anime for me to to watch with um as like you know growing out and i was only about 15 so probably like I was almost in the bracket where I was allowed to watch it. I was just blown away by it. I remember mm-hmm. a, a guy at school mentioned it to us and I was like, oh, I have to have a look at that and just got completely hooked. And mm-hmm. to this day, it still stands as one of my favorite animes because of it, it addresses a lot to do with mental health. And that wasn't mm-hmm. even talked about in like the 90s. So, yeah. you know... Th- it de- I think depending on what you're looking for, there's the there is the right thing in anime for you and the wrong thing. The um, Neon Genesis Evangelion was very much in my mind when it, in Australia it, and when it became mainstream almost because mm. it was on television and SBS was like, come watch this amazing show. As you said, and I remember mm. it coming out in Australia and it was like it was like this thing that was going to happen. Neon Genesis Evangelion, everyone should watch this event television. And and so I'm not saying everyone in Australia did, but it's probably much more widely watched than a lot of anime ever had been because it was just this yeah. big big thing that's being pushed everywhere uh, because it was this worldwide phenomenon. It was also a bit different because, like, I mean, funnily enough, Neon Genesis didn't do well in Japan when it first came oh, out. It was when okay. it had that international release that it kind of had a sudden resurgence as a cult classic in Japan. It, it was also, I think, especially for like an Australian audience, it was the first time we'd had an anime series that hadn't been censored or altered. Shows like Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, they, those two in particular were heavily edited for the Western audience so that they could appeal to a children's uh, audience. Mm-hmm. So Dragon Ball had blood removed in certain fight scenes removed changed some episodes of sailor moon or removed them altogether because of potential for a misunderstanding basically erotic content not that mm-hmm. the characters were naked but the conversation was not appropriate <laughs> for children right. um Yu-Gi-Oh has had several episodes completely removed because mm-hmm. four kids who were the original ones who did the western adaptation for it are to to Put it simply, they're a Christian organization. They didn't want anything that could be considered controversial. They did. So the rest of the episodes, which actually make no sense because they've removed core content because it was either violent or potentially uh, considered potentially inappropriate because they reformatted these shows. And these shows were shown in shows. They were designed for 15 plus mm-hmm. and they reformatted them to be available for those who are basically 10 years old yeah um right (laughs) before that point we all we just knew was oh it's just this cool kind of different art style that we've seen Mm. and then neon genesis and i think there was a a show a couple years before it as well they came out here and we just went oh wow this is you know using that art style in a very different way Mm. it's making it a lot more mature it's discussing issues that aren't designed for children it's Mm. um not at all. Showcasing a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's really quite confronting. Before Neon Genesis, for me, I won't go through. I'll just, I don't want to talk every one of them. <laughs> There's so many, but like there was Ninja Scroll. There was Akira, oh. of course. Akira was very mm. important. Uh, Akira's. I, I'm going to go on the limb here and say Akira's fine. I, I understand it's important, but it never worked for me particularly. Uh, I had a girlfriend who was really into Ranma Half. 
which is very strange. Yes. Ran my half about a young young martial artist boy that when he gets splashed with warm water, he becomes a, a martial artist girl. And yes, uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I love Ranma and a Half. It was one of the ones I found after Neon Genesis. I actually have a couple of manga floating around here. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's done by Rumiko Takahashi, and she's kind of like, so you, you've got Dragon Ball, and that was kind of focused at the men. And at the same, same sort of time, you had Rumiko Takahashi, and she did shows which were a lot more aimed for women, mm. um, and oh. manga that was aimed for women as well. And okay. she did the manga, and then they adapted it. And Ranma and a Half was one of those shows, along with Yashihime and so on. And she's probably one of the most successful Japanese manga creators in the world, as far as yeah. an international profile goes, like right. more so than Osama Tezuka was, more so than pretty much any of the other big names that, mm. that come to mind when you think of anime, because oh, she, just, <laughs> she opened manga to an entire new audience of the female demographic, which previously they didn't even consider. But um, yeah, Josai is kind of a, a category which is focused on, you, you'll see a lot of the magical girl stuff will end mm. up in that category, a lot of the romance stuff, the high school dramas, relationship stories, and so mm. on. Okay. Uh, it's not to say that boys don't read it, but it's more mm. that traditionally as a platform, that's what it was aimed at. It was girls aged from about 14 to 19. Wow. I didn't yeah, realize that. I love how they break it up. Into, we're going to write for this age group very clearly. We're going to try and get, get those. I mean, yeah. it, you, you see it in modern, in, in modern, sorry, in Western uh, mm. culture as well, I guess. I think my breakout anime for me uh, before Neon Genesis was Ghost in the Shell. Mm. I saw Ghost in the Shell in the theaters. So it was, it was shown in an art housey kind of theater I like, come see this cool thing from Japan and I watched it and I don't know if I was in the right place at the right time, in the right headspace, but it was mind altering as in, yeah. as in like the matrix was mind altering. Like mm. as someone, someone went all the philosophy of it. I mean, you had robot lady punching robot men and all that sort of stuff. It was yeah, all very yeah. cool. The major being cool, big weapons and spider tanks, but the philosophy behind it about are you real? And if you meld yourself with someone else, are you still you? And, you know, yeah. is that death or is that is that godlike? Are you something else now or are you dead? They, they love to play with oh. the idea of um, consciousness a lot in those, uh, especially in anything cyberpunk that's been uh, done by Japan in anime mm. format. You mentioned Akira and Akira is, mm. I, I love Akira, but I also know that the film adaptation is fundamentally flawed because they took six books worth uh, six major volumes and tried to condense it into three worth of time three american live action versions with taika waititi at the head of it who loves but that's been delayed because of funding issues and then he got signed up for like four different films um (laughs) yeah um thor uh the new thor four love and thunder was the Mm. one which um started it and then he got signed on for three other films after that but Mm. warner brothers have been dragging their feet on this live adaptation since about 98 right Um, that's how long they've had the rights for it it's like really yeah um, but in, in an hour and a half movie they spend 45 minutes going akira tetsuo it's just like they're yelling at each other for far too long because cut all the yelling and you're gonna be fine uh, you'll get a lot of your runtime back that's my that's I mean, my advice as a, as a producer <laughs> well i mean the thing is is that a lot of like the major um conflicts that are meant to occur in it do occur in it but they're kind of simplified a bit whereas mm. before they were like arc ending sort of fights or events mm-hmm. like you know like mm. the event you see where um tetsuo ends up breaking up into breaking into like the building and then fighting the alien kid things yes um, yep, i won't yep. explain exactly what that is that's that, too much effort <laughs> we've got time there's they no time human, but they look like aliens um and <laughs> You know, that that was like the end of the second sort of arc in I think about book four. And okay. then the the rest of the film is meant to be like even more background and knowledge on it, but they don't have time for it. So they've just mm. jumped straight to the big final confrontation and you know, turning into an amorphous blob. <laughs> so... <laughs> just, to me it's just a it's just a metaphor for middle age. That's what happens. So <laughs> you get all your power, but you turn into an amorphous blob. It's very hard. You, you get all your power, you buy a bike. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly right. It's 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 the world's weirdest midlife crisis yeah, uh, you buy a bike and you join a gang or basically a cycling group and that's, you know, that's opera, you know? exactly right but it's fine yeah oh terrifying something to look forward to for everyone mm. but it, it's but yeah i that's when i re- with ghost in the shell um more so than akira but akira as well i guess mm. is as i i realized that there was a lot more to these things and, that, and when you find good ones and inverted commas ones that were good yeah. for me that they they really could delve into stuff that into concepts that that 
uh, non-animated films just didn't seem to go into very often. Very rarely, yeah. the, the level of thinkiness, uh, <laughs> which is sort of odd, mm -hmm. uh, the philosophy behind them. They weren't frightened to go, we're going to spend 10 minutes having two characters on a boat in robot, you know, human brains and robot bodies discussing consciousness and the meaning of existence. And But the thing is, is that they try to layer in the information that you need to know about the world as part of it and what it's mm -hmm. trying to impart whereas you know with like don't be wrong i love my i love my 80s action films like just the <laughs> nostalgia and the memories of them is just great but yep. i also aware that they're not very smart <laughs> in yes. this case yeah like, you yep. know Half the time it is, you know, big buff dude versus other big buff dude or big buff dude versus really smart dude or what, whatever it might be. Um, and, I mean, that's why, while for an entertainment purposes for observing the spectacle is fantastic. Mm. But when you have things like Ghost in the Shell, they mm. make you think a bit deeper about the themes and the concepts that they're working mm. with because they had to to be successful. Mm. If they didn't go into that depth, they'd just be another manga that's come out. And that's the thing, like we've get so many mangas and anime released every year in Japan, especially mm. more so now in like the nineties, it was kind of starting to build that momentum. I'd say from about since 2005 to 2008, this whole idea of an anime season as in based on the seasons of the year, whether it's, you know, autumn, spring, summer, and so on. All um, right. yep. th that three month sort of run became standard and it's increased the amount of anime we get every three months that has reduced the amount of smart shows we're getting because we're getting a lot to fill the gaps ones that are based on mobile games or so on and that's not to say that they're fundamentally bad they fit a niche for people that are interested in them but you i find like when you if you had a look at a lot of the older anime it's easy to find a good one very uh, like within you know five to ten minutes if you were going through each year Whereas going through particularly the past five years, finding something that stands out becomes a bit harder. And so, that's not to, okay. that's not a fundamentally bad thing. It's just that they cover more areas. But there's also a problem with the way the, the anime and manga industry has their funding and their push to produce content at such a high rate mm. with such a small workforce. Mm. And that, mm. you know, unfortunately, that can mean like something which was fantastic that I've adapted from a manga comic isn't great in animated form or they mm. skip over content um which you know it can be a shame but yeah, yeah i find a lot of the older especially for some reason cyberpunk series anything that looks at transhumanism seems to always get a good budget and always has a lot of time to explore the themes of that transhumanism mm. and so on but then if you were <laughs> it's become a bit of a joke actually in the anime community of how many um reincarnated in another world series are we going to have this season every season there's four or five of them at least um mm. a couple of seasons <laughs> back we had 11 i was looking before that uh, in 2019 it's 25 billion dollar industry anime is now that's mm. that's that's pretty big so it, and it's growing all the time yeah. and i guess when you start talking about billions and billions of dollars everyone wants to drink that milkshake everyone wants to get involved mm. and i'm guessing it now must be becoming not just japanese animation but other countries like Chinese animation, Korean, American. I mean, there must be even Australian, maybe. I don't know. Well, um, actually, fun story. Um, do you remember a book series from the 90s and 2000s called Del Toro Quest? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yes. That has yes. an anime. Oh, what? Okay. Yep. Um, it's it's still boggles my mind to this day, but that mm. had a eight episode anime adaptation that was done in the early two thousands, um, based off Australian Weird. content, and oh. we're seeing more okay. of that, yes. um, happening particularly for Korean and Chinese uh, mangas, or in Korean's case they call it manhwa. Chinese I can't remember the pronunciation, but it's also a spin on manga. Um, okay. We've had a lot of recent shows. There was god of high school the tower of god and a few others which they'll take a step back for a moment we've got the major streaming services for anime crunchyroll funimation and high dive also known as sentai media okay now crunchyroll and funimation have recently merged but prior okay. to this crunchyroll were doing this push for something called crunchyroll originals where they were finding unique stories uh, that were in korea or in china or in japan that were lesser known and paying for them to be adapted themselves and having mm. exclusive rights to broadcast it. Mm. And that's these Crunchyroll originals varied in quality because it depended on, you know, how good that translation was done for them to use it. But they mm. started taking on board this idea of, you know, looking at stories from other cultures to adapt in that Japanese animation style. And we're starting to see an increased interest in these 
manga, manhwa, and so on because of it. So they're turning to Korea's started to get, uh, South Korea particularly, starting to get a much larger industry in animation and also in manga and light novel development, almost to the point that it, they, they suspect in about 15 to 20 years, it could almost rival Japan's industry because of the size of it. Wow, um, okay. Japan's actually even outsourcing some of their animation to South Korea because they don't have enough people on hand. You can't call it champagne unless it comes from champagne. So is it, is it, if it comes from Korea, is it just sparkling animation? So well, that's the question, isn't it? Like, <laughs> is it still I mean, anime? I mean, the, the term anime is was kind of coined as a way to distinguish Japanese animation from Western animation. It, there was a period where they called it Japanimation, amalgamating the words. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a defining term, but it's kind of ended up as a catch-all term for stories that originated in Japan that are in an animated format and have gone through a studio production process. Typically they're drawn. They're not usually, I mean, we're seeing a a bit more often with CG and 3D being Hmm. used to accelerate the production process, but typically they focused on originally being drawn on a clear animation cell that was then, um, you know, scanned in and made as an individual frame. And they did that for each frame. Nowadays, obviously, everything's gone digital. As we were talking about with the Neon Genesis, their recent films, there's a final scene in it where they did some hand-drawn animation. And the only place in Japan which actually had the correct equipment still in use was Studio Ghibli. So they went and actually shot about... 30 seconds of frames just on this old machine there because nowhere else has it. Everyone's moved on to full digital or high yeah. digital animation. There you go, um, yes. Okay. Yeah, mm. so the, it's it's unclear where you draw the line. Is it something that's produced in Japan? Is it something that's produced in the traditional cell format? Mm. Um, and if if that's the case, what we've been watching the past 15 years isn't anime at all. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I like okay. to think of it more as like a catch-all term that can be used for animated products that, follow on from uh, Tesku Osama's style that he kind of established. So with the large eyes, with the expressive face, mm. um, with, uh, I guess, a unique, more mature approach to animation than we saw in children's cartoons over here. Like mm. if, if, if you put like um, Akira next to uh, the Flintstones, you can clearly see that, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly right. So there's there's a very yep. sort of distinctive uh, language to the way it's drawn. Yeah. Uh, and even thinking of things more modern ones, like One Punch Man I watched recently. Mm. And one, it's very, pretty, pretty uh, easily animated, or very simply animated. Yeah. Lots of motion lines and movement in the background. So you go, it's cheap. You can see, well, that would be cheap to make, but still mm. very effective in showing motion and explosions and things. So to me, that's very animation as well. Yeah. The, the um, minimizing, instead of having 800 different frames showing yeah. motion, you just have one frame to another and a blur line or something like that. Yeah. And you get the idea of what's going on. And in fact, yeah. it's, it's a feature, not a bug. Exactly. And I mean, we, we see that like there was this sort of period or uh, in the early 2000s where there was a very sort of distinct style for what people thought was good animation. Um, and typically that was kind of typified by basically what we saw Kyoto. Kyoto animation doing their style of animation which is really beautiful shiny there's the lines are they're hard lines around the characters to define their shape but not so hard that they pop out from the background so that they blend in with everything Mm. and there was a time there where everyone was kind of copying that art style particularly when it comes to like the big glowing eyes like really shiny eyes Mm -hmm. um and everyone for a while started talking about how that was like the pinnacle of what animation could become. And then we started seeing all these other styles erupting and appearing. And I think it's, it just depends on the animation director who's on board or what they decide, but having that diversity in style, I think um, has really helped them get people into the animation stories that otherwise wouldn't like mm-hmm. you can't imagine doing like a Godzilla anime with everyone being <laughs> grinning and big shiny eyes to have that dark tone for it for a period there everyone was like no no that's an that's anime if it doesn't mm. look like that it's not anime but 
it, it was just like how we saw like the Michael Bay era where everyone suddenly started putting explosions in films. Yeah. For no reason. Yes. Um, Lens like, flare. Happened with anime. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah they, they go, okay, this is a style which is popular at the moment. Everyone do it. Yeah. Um, and we're starting to fortunately move a bit more away from that. We're seeing different styles of animation that are based on the manga. So um, in the late 2000s, we were seeing shows that looked very simplistic and um, a very different art style in their in their comic manga form to what they appeared to on screen. Whereas mm. now they're trying a lot more to make what's on screen reminiscent of what's in the manga. I mean, mm-hmm. you literally have your um, your artboard there. Why mm-hmm. change it? Um, mm-hmm. And it saves them time and it feels more true to the art style that the original author was going for, which I, I quite like myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to see it evolve because you know we we talk about how you know oh it's this specific specific style. I mean, um, I mentioned obviously like uh, Tesco was inspired by um, Walt Disney in when he was doing his style, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's trying to copy it. It's just something that's influenced him. It, yes, yeah, yeah, big influence. It's 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 interesting now. Like now we get into more modern era and and how it's sort of become very mainstream across a wide area and once again people may not realize it's anime or what it's called but it's so popular things like the you mentioned before studio ghibli so the mm. uh the my neighbor totoro totoro um yeah uh, my, my neighbor totoro spirited away, spirited away. Castle. yes and th- these are just and these are i mean they're a bit scary the spirited away is a bit scary for, for young children mm-hmm. uh but they're still very popular family movies and yeah. uh, and so you can watch with your with your kids and still and and you'll enjoy it and your kids will enjoy it it's no longer and you may not even know it's anime i don't know what you think it is but it's just this mm. great story this weird yeah. it doesn't feel like something you've seen before uh, well, that's the thing as well like um studio ghibli everyone immediately lists as like an inroad to anime but mm. studio ghibli has a very specific style and feel it's not not all anime is like that mm-hmm. um and th- there's a very good reason why studio ghibli keeps being held up that way is because it's the only anime from japan to win an oscar um it's you know like everyone just immediately goes it's the best Mm -hmm. um that's Mm. what we should be looking at and while i think studio ghibli is fantastic i've got you know a collection of the uh, dvds and blu-rays and i love it Mm. i'm not gonna always i mean it depends on what the person's interest is you can't just go yes one size fits all you'll like ghibli Mm -hmm. because i know plenty of people who love anime but do not actually enjoy the ghibli films because they're not the type of storytelling they enjoy and I, I think that's something I'm always cautious about when recommending shows to people or where to start is like, it depends what you like. If you're a massive sports fan, you're not going to want to watch a story about four girls making a school band. You're going to be more interested <laughs> in watching something about like a, a struggling boxer rising mm. up the ranks or something like that. Yep. Um, and because of that, I'm, I, I, I treat it the same way as I treat um, TV series. I don't say, yeah, oh, you like TV. You must definitely like Game of Thrones and also Star Trek, yes? Yeah, no, yes. no. It's, yeah, it's, not, you... it's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fair like enough. saying, you know, uh, yes, uh, me and my girlfriend broke up. Um, we both liked films, but she liked action films and I liked romance. It's yes. Like, well, then you both don't like the same thing, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly right. Uh, so let's then we talked about the past. I rabbited about being old and how I like all these old things. So, <laughs> so more recently, I I got into uh, I mean, this is not even that new. So I'll let you talk about real new mm. stuff. But Cowboy Bebop is just insanely mm. good. Attack on Titan. I wasn't expecting much and actually kind of enjoyed it. Though it gets a bit long and boring in parts. I'll, I'll say. Um, I'll, I'll let you know, <laughs> like w- without spoiling anything, the ending of Attack on Titan will be very hit or miss depending okay. on how you expect it to turn out because. Mm. Um, I, I w- it's definitely not like Game of Thrones where, you know, a lot of people fundamentally dislike the way they approach the ending. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's a very Japanese way of ending it. Okay. Um, it's right. because Japan love to leave a lot of things open to interpretation so that they can build discussion. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, look for- I look forward to being annoyed. That sounds great. Uh, one Punch Man. I, I've been put on One Punch mm-hmm. Man for a long time and watched it and absolutely I loved it. I when I realized what it was. Uh, I saw Castlevania and that was actually surprising. That was a, that's uh, um, um, not Warren Ellis, I believe. Uh, so not a normal, not yeah. a normal uh, so anime Castlevania writer. Castlevania is one of those unusual ones where it's 
produced and created like the story and content in the states mm-hmm. and they gave it to a japanese animation studio to ah, create. right um and that's um it's part of netflix's uh current push towards that um anime, conquering netflix the world <laughs> yes <laughs> to conquer everything like they've um one of my favorite romance mangas is called um comey can't communicate um which i'm li- literally just been filming a video about and it's just starting out on netflix um in a couple of weeks uh, mm-hmm. we're used to netflix just dumping everything at once mm-hmm. um it's like you know you get the whole season but it doesn't really work that well for the way anime is consumed like it's okay if someone says you'll really like this you can go and watch the whole thing but we don't we don't necessarily do appointment based viewing anymore but we like something new to look forward to each week mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. that's the way it works with the japanese broadcast schedule um so finally netflix has seen the light and went okay we'll release the episodes weekly instead of waiting making you wait three months until all the hype's died down <laughs> yes yes it's a, i think there's something to be said uh not just anime lots of different shows the power of watching things over a week is so much more powerful than dropping it all because no everyone no one can watch at the same time and everyone forgets it for example not anime but ted lasso is very big at the moment and that's that comes out weekly and people talk about it because it's weekly and it's it's that oh what's going to happen next instead of saying i watched it all it was great or i watched it all it was bad it's Mm -hmm. yeah you have that's that's a different story yeah i I mean that that, i've went completely (laughs) on a tangent there but i mean like cowboy bebop as well they've got Mm. that's got a live action series Mm. on netflix that starts in november um They've got the original music producer mm-hmm. um, and the original writer to creator. That was an original <sighs> idea. Yeah. Um, so the the original team from Japan are helping out creating it, and the music for that series is just it's, phenomenal. Uh, the stuff. It's what? Oh yeah, yeah. It's the, the, the let's jam. Do 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 It's the best. Yeah. It's the best start of any show. Not even anime. The best. It's yeah. the best music of any. It's I I I loved Cowboy Bob, and when I heard they're doing the the live action, I was like, why are you like? Why are you doing this? I can't. I'm not against it. I'm not against the live action. I'm just mm-hmm. like you are. Uh, you are setting yourself up for a big fall because. Well, it, I, th- I think the key it's... thing is, is if you're going to adapt something into a different form, and this is why I very hesitant on many of the adaptations we get for um, Western versions of anime. So we mm. had like um, Battle Angel Alita, mm. and, mm. Uh, yes. Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If mm. you're going to adapt it to a different form, you must add something to it. Mm-hmm. You can't like that i i understand like from like the purest perspective that oh you go i want it to be exactly the same as it was but in the live at format mm. but what's the point you might as well just watch the original version mm-hmm. it, mu- it must add something to the story to make it worthwhile um and we do see that in varying degrees but there was a recent um like um, well st- sticking with um cowboy bebop the live action is not going to follow the original manga directly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the original anime, sorry, directly. Um, he said that we are going to include some of the arcs, but we're creating some new ones and it's the original writer creating them. So mm-hmm. it's adding an expanded oh, okay. story, All which right. to me goes, okay, that's good. That's a good thing to do. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone goes, they want more Cowboy Bebop, but the way the story ends, the 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 story's done like, yes yeah yeah, yeah. do a second <laughs> life has changed over the course of those 25 episodes yeah um, yes so no this, spoilers. this is a way to provide it yeah um so i'm quite intrigued to see how it okay. turns out but then you've got like the polar opposite and i'm I, I know i sound like i'm hating on netflix a lot here um but um netflix did a live action version of a series called death note it's literally a notebook mm-hmm. where you write someone's name in it and they die um and it's a crime thriller series it's got elements of supernaturalism in it because there's literally gods of death uh, shinigami's in it um and their live action basically the only thing that was common with the original series was calling it death note um (laughs) and that had a notebook in it to write people in that was it yeah Um, it was yeah well yeah i mean same sort of principle as like the live action dragon ball and avatar films (laughs) much in the community refuse to talk about yes that bad they just they they don't exist i don't know what you're talking about no no Um, it's ptsd it's just like not you gotta acknowledge it you gotta move on mm. that's it yeah it's it's what yeah you got to do something with i agree do something that's like any adaption do something mm. otherwise if you're just doing it soullessly for money then it'll become very obvious and no one will support mm. you exactly um, and that unfortunately that seems to be the case with a lot of these adaptations like um there is a live action version of attack on titan which was done in japan okay um they shoehorned a romance <laughs> story in where there oh. wasn't one oh, okay. um, oh, there's that. been other cases where they've done similar things like there's uh a wonderful series if you like sort of um 
if you like the series Supernatural, mm-hmm. you probably like um, Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yep, yep. Now, so there's two versions of it. Watch Brotherhood. Um, okay. Because that's right. the um, original Full Metal Alchemist. Um, the manga wasn't finished, so they just figured out their own end. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, whereas very Game of Thrones. Does, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas Brotherhood, um, the manga was finished. They went, we'll do the whole thing again. Oh, right, um, okay. But right. it's the same sort of thing where it's like, you could adapt it early when the hype is high, or you can wait to the end and do a good job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we've seen that. We've seen a lot of that, actually, um, just recently. So there's a really popular series called Fruits Basket um, that had an anime adaptation in the 90s. And the author of it absolutely hated how they did it because <laughs> she hadn't finished the manga. Ah. So much so that she refused to let any of the original cast or crew work on the new adaptation. <laughs> that was her stipulation for oh, reanimating wow. it. So <laughs> it, it, you, your mileage may vary depending on how far along a story is. Yeah. Um, okay. But th- there's this idea that, you know, <laughs> We adapt things to add more to them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when we add more to them, we take away the core of the story because we try to add too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I, I think you can agree, like having watched the original Ghost in the Shell and seen the live action, they took mm-hmm. a lot of that original content and kept it in. And I yes. feel like it worked as a film and in its own right, ignoring all of the political mess around it and the the character casting and so on. Yeah. As a story, it worked quite well based on the original series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree. I I went to see that without realizing the furor, of course, of casting Scarlett Johansson in that role Mm -hmm. and, and and all that excitement and whitewashing and everything. And I thought it's fine. And that's a person who loves Ghost in the Shell as a, as an anime, but I went, it's not that, but they tried, you know, I, I could see what they were doing. They're doing something different. It was a bit more simplistic, uh, yeah. but I, I, it was fine. It was fine. I, I didn't hate it. But then I went and read the reviews and realized I was in a very small camp. Everyone else yeah, seemed to be not. very angry about it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a similar thing with um, the, the recent Alita Battle Angel live mm. action. Like I read the manga and saw the original light. The, they've got these things called OVAs, original video animations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like maybe one or two episode specials. They might put out with like the 10th volume of the manga to kind of promote and go, look how well it's doing. You should mm-hmm. really, you know, get stuck in because if you buy this volume, you'll get some of it animated as well. Sure. Um, and they were very different to what we actually got on the screen. And the story in the manga is very different. The, the truth okay. be told, the manga is still going. It's been going since like the late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> Wow. Um, they just keep adding more to the story and going further um, on. Now she's like now. battle grandmother Alicia. <laughs> Much further well, no, well, essentially. But um, we, what happened <laughs> is we've got to a point where they've kind of resolved the main story, but now we need to go back in time to discuss her origins. And that's what this new series is. Okay. On. Um, but the problem is, is because this guy's been doing it for so long, He's getting a bit old. Yeah. So right. he's not putting that manga out as often as people would like. <laughs> he's George R. R. Martining it. <laughs> Pretty That's much. So annoying. Um, but like, I mean, the adaptation that we got was just a mess for mm. the film because they took store they took three separate arcs and tried to cram them into one arc mm-hmm. when there were three separate stories. Like the rollerball derby thing is a completely different story. Like she doesn't have to run off and rescue the guy during it. That happens beforehand. The desire to get up to the thing happens because of, you know, mm-hmm. that death that occurs. Then, mm-hmm. you know, the fight where she gets her new body is a different story as well. Mm-hmm. Um they're not right. all intertwined. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and th- th- it's no a case of a lot, a lot of adaptations trying to do too much too fast. Yeah. All right. So for those who, who are coming into anime, who are listening to this, what's some modern like, anime, up-to-date stuff that people should, that you'd recommend to, uh, to watch? What are some guess, good ones? If that's a dangerous. on <laughs> what your interests are, but probably one of the most massive animes at the moment is called Demon Slayer. Now it's um it's it won't be to everyone's taste. The pacing can be a little bit all over the place because it was based on a manga, but it's basically the story of a young boy who goes up uh, grows up in the mountains and um with his family and one day he's gone down uh, this is set around the 1850s in Japan. 
he's gone down to the town to sell all of their um the coal that they've made because they're that that's what they do they're a, mm-hmm. they're a wood chopping family who take all the um the trees burn it down to coal and then go sell it to the town so they can stay warm during the winter okay and he can't get back home at night and he stays um with one of the mountain shepherds um just in the meantime and the mountain shepherd's like no it's a bad night it's a bad moon um you have to stay here. It's not safe to go home yet. So he goes, okay, whatever. And he goes home <laughs> and finds his entire family has been slaughtered. Oh, no. Um, now, this is MA15, um, mm. obviously not for children. Um, I have a good friend who took her five-year-old son to it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but they're, they were mass- they're, they're a massive anime family, and she's quite good at keeping him from looking at things <laughs> and all that. And she just says, this is what happened. But, um, you know, he finds there, but his sister is still alive, but she's turning into... Well, but, but the family was slaughtered by a demon, and her sister, his sister, is turning into a demon. Okay. Right. Um, so the thing is, is that they there's this the, a demon slayer shows up because he's heard of like the incident, following the scent of the demon or whatever, mm-hmm. and tries to kill the guy's sister. And even though he'd been fighting with her moments ago, trying to prevent her from biting him, she still protects him, ah. so showing that she still has her consciousness, her you know identity mm-hmm. intact. Um, and it's basically the story about him becoming a demon slayer along with his sister and them trying to take down the guy who turned her into a demon. Uh-huh. Um, the, the film is just went gangbusters. It was called Mugen Train or Infinity Train. Um, it's to do with okay. basically a, um, a, they all go on this train um, <laughs> to hunt down a demon um who because there's been people disappearing on this train and they someone was reported to suggest that it could be a demon so the demon slayer corpse goes we'll send some people to it um and the reason it's infinity is the demon can actually put people in pocket universes that go on forever um now this has blown just utterly blown apart japan's box office Um, it is the highest grossing film of all time from japan animated (laughs) or otherwise oh wow Um, and by not a small margin either it's Okay, just wow. insane the studio behind it called ufo table um they typically do beautifully animated shows and this is why it's done so well because it's both a visual feast and like the story is quite compelling yeah um but so that that's one i can highly recommend like all if right. you like the idea of like demons and mythology and so on demon slayer is a really good one all right demon slayer that's fantastic mm-hmm. kyle thank you very much for chatting today and enlightening me about anime bringing it all up to date and the listeners as well if people are interested in anime where can they find you and, and uh how you basically all the good stuff that you do Yes, so um, you can find Kawaii-Fi on pretty much all podcasting apps. I'm pretty sure we're in almost everything at the moment. K-A-W-A-I-I-Fi, so Kawaii, which means cute, and Fi is in <laughs> Hi-Fi. We're also over on YouTube as well. Um, alternatively, you can just go to kawaiifi.com.au, and that gives you a link to everything we're at. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Kyle, for your amazing knowledge, and I look forward to discussing more anime stuff with you in the future. Thanks very much, Greg. Once again, thanks to Kyle and thanks to you listeners for sticking through this. If you want to hear a better quality sounding interview about anime, race over to Kawaii Fi. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Keep looking after yourself on this brave new world that we live in and look after those around you as well. Be excellent to each other and we'll talk again very soon. Bye. Bye.